Hey there, it's Jake. Before we jump in, I wanted to let you know that this episode of The Online Hustle is a bit of a time capsule. It's from a podcast I used to run between 2012 and 2016. You're going to hear some references to that show, uh, to businesses and content that may have changed or may not even exist anymore. You're listening to The Multimedia Marketing Show, and this is episode 25. Today's guest is David Seitman Garland from The Rise to the Top. David, how are you? Jake, I am fantastic. I love the accent. I'm ready to go. I'm fired up. Yes, yes. It's certainly different, I guess, to most of your guests that you bring on your own show. Now, in today's episode, we're going to look at how David goes about creating some of his courses. So he's got a number of courses now that he's done as part of the Rise to the Top, and you could definitely say he's an expert in that. So we're going to look at that today. So David, for our listeners, why don't you give us a little bit of context as to who you are and where you've got to to this point? Sure. In a nutshell, basically what I'm best known online for is I have a site called The Rise to the Top, which is what I call the number one resource for mediapreneurs. So it's like for people that create content sites, uh, whether it's you do podcasts or blogging or online videos or whatever it might be, we're basically a resource to help people out, whether it's growing audience and making money or all that kind of stuff. As an eight, I started online. Things have twisted and turned a lot since then, to say the least. But I had no idea what I was doing in 2008. I started an interview show called The Rise to the Top back then. That's how it all started as an interview show where I'd bring on kind of successful entrepreneurs. Now over 350 episodes and 7 million downloads and stuff like that. But when I started, I really, I had no clue what I was doing. I was like, okay, I'm going to build this platform up online. I'm going to interview some people. I'm going to make money by some magical fairy way that I don't know yet. There was like all this, I had no idea what was going on. I realized I didn't have a fan base or anything when I started. I didn't come from celebrity background or anything like that. So I was really start from scratch. So as the platform grew and why we're talking about this today, Jake, is that really my entire business shifted when I discovered creating online courses and in the idea that you can monetize an online platform blog, web show, podcast, et cetera, by taking something that you already know and turn it into an online course. And the way that kind of happened was really by accident is that I was struggling to monetize for years. I was trying to figure it out. I wanted something that was long-term and scalable and didn't have a lot of overhead and something that I could put time into, but then I could basically turn it into autopilot. I had all these things that I was trying to do, and I was doing a really bad job of them because I didn't know what to do. So I was trying sponsorships and ads and all these different things. And people kept telling me, David, you got to create your own course, your own product to sell to people. It's going to hit all that criteria that you want to do. Like it's going to, you're not going to have to trade dollars for hours. You're going to have huge leverage, but you're going to be able to help people in a very specific way and get them results. And you're going to make a lot of money from it. And it's not going to require you to be there 24 seven. And that's really how this kind of journey began was this sort of like awakening that of all the business models out there, I found courses and like digital products to be the best fit for me at the time. Yeah, cool, cool. All right, I think that's fantastic. It's great to hear all of that. What I'd like to speak to you about before we get stuck into it is uh, there are changes happening online all the time. It's constantly evolving. And I think one thing I've noticed that you have done very in the very recent past is that you've moved from interviews to creating more actionable. There's still an interview, but you're trying to get your interviews more actionable. Are you seeing a trend going to more actionable training? Oh, God, that's a tough, that's a great question. I see this kind of both ways. 
what you're referring to is, of course, like when I made this announcement that we're switching more to training videos and stuff like that. It's funny because I actually see a value in both. I think that sometimes people want, in terms of an interview or a conversation with someone, they want to take away, like they want like very actionable, like step-by-step type stuff. But then they also sometimes just want to hear behind the scenes stuff and have a cool conversation and have something a little bit more relaxed. So I've seen it as a mix. And that's what I'm trying to do on the show. I think on my show, again, after you've done like 300 plus episodes, you got to do some stuff to spice it up too. And so for me, moving forward, what I'm trying to do is mix it up a little bit. Some kind of traditional more where it's just us having a conversation with a good friend or a marketer or someone interesting. And then other ones that it's going to be more training based. And we're going to see what happens. But I think people really do love training, but it really just depends on kind of the audience. I wouldn't make a big blanket statement across the entire internet. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I guess the other thing to consider is that there are so many new podcasts coming on the scene and they're all following a similar format. So I see what you're doing as differentiating a little bit. Meaning, Meaning like most are just coming on and doing like a conversation, if you will. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's a testament now. It's what's funny about this whole kind of trend or whatever you want to call it is that there's really I call I the word I used earlier, mediapreneurs, right? Is like this middle ground between these two very different groups of people out there. Like one that's like the bloggers, if you will. I don't mean that in a derogatory term, but like the bloggers who are the people that have this great content, these great communities, this great stuff going on, but often don't know how to monetize very well. And then you have another community, which was known as the internet marketing community, who is very good at monetizing sometimes in somewhat sketchy ways, but they don't really have a platform. And it's interesting to watch now how people are more evolving to that middle ground. And also a lot of the kind of traditional people are moving towards, you know what, I do need something consistently free and awesome to send out to people, not just doing like pitch after pitch. And I think that's a good thing for everyone, but we'll see how the shows end up for everyone. Yeah, cool, cool. All right, let's get stuck into it. So lay it out for us, David. Who should be creating online courses? Yeah, so great question. And I'm not going to give the answer like that, like everyone, because nothing's for everyone. In my opinion, the people that are most are, are most correctly positioned to create an online course now, right, are people that have a platform and some kind of audience. Okay, so what I mean by platform, it could be anything. It could be a blog, web show, podcast. It could be funny cat drawings. It could be an awesome YouTube channel, whatever it might be, some kind of platform, some kind of audience. I don't, I, you don't need to have 100,000 people, nothing like that, because the way we'll talk about it in a few minutes is that to have success with an online course, you don't need that many buyers because to have it be successful. So you do have to have some kind of audience and some kind of platform. That's pretty much my criteria for creating a course. Anyone could create one, but I'm saying for it to be successful. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I guess most of our listeners or probably the person listening to this right now are generally early stage entrepreneurs, but they've certainly started building a platform and they're looking at ways to bring in more traffic and how to convert that traffic to dollars. So I think this will really benefit our listener today. It's very scalable too. So meaning what's cool about this, like when I when my first course, I should have done two or three years before I did it. Like I know my first one I should have done earlier because here's the thing. Once it's out there, once it's created, once it's launched to the world and then it's for sale and ongoing, I suggest having it for sale, not just launching it and closing it, like having it for sale. As your platform grows and your traffic grows, so will your sales. So it's a nice little scalable thing for you as you build up. Yeah, definitely. Now, what held you back from actually creating it earlier than- God, you know what it really was? What it really was, and it's funny, it's just that I didn't, here here were the two things that really 
held me back. Number one was, and, and this was the major one until I developed a system for figuring it out, was I didn't exactly know what to create a course on. That was my first problem. So that kind of held me back. Like I was like, oh, what do I, what should I do a course on? No idea. The second thing that held me back was there wasn't really a roadmap out there to help put it together. Like there, I knew that there's going to be like a lot of experimentation and trying to figure stuff out. And I was a little scared of that leap for a while of, oh my God, I'm going to have to do this from scratch because there were some products out there to help you with it, but there really weren't, wasn't anything as specific as I was looking for. So I, it was just, yeah, those two things for sure. Yeah, cool. Then let's look at that first point you made. Let's look at how do you go about deciding what sort of course you're going to create? Yeah. So this is the fun part, right? And, and the funny thing is, I, I appreciate you starting there because a lot of people want to skip this foundation. They just want to like move into different areas. And it's just like, this is the critical moment. So it's the foundation because everything else is easy, <laughs> quote unquote. Uh, it's really the, the foundation that's critical. So let me preface this. A lot of people come to me and they say, hey, David, hey, I want to create a course what should I go learn how to do to create a course on? Okay, that's the question. And I'm like, it's the wrong question because here's why, here's why. It's not what you go learn how to do to create a course on. It's what do you already know right now that you can package up and sell to people, okay? So there is something that everyone that's listening to this has, some kind of step-by-step knowledge that you have right now of something that you can teach people how to do that you can package up and turn it into a course. So what did I do? I had no idea. So I was thinking to myself, well, what is it? Because oftentimes the answer to this question is right under your nose. So what ended up happening was, this is what I did first, and this is what I suggest you do first, if you have any kind of following at all, is start paying attention to the types of questions and emails that you get online or in person. So if you're getting a tweet or a Facebook message or an email, anything that comes in from your site, is there something consistent that people are asking you about? Even if you think it's extremely basic, extremely basic, something so simple, you're like, oh my God, how could people ask this? That's where some of the secret sauce comes in. So for me, I was always hearing questions like, how do I create an interview show? How do I get a guest to say yes? How do I market the show? How do I make money from the show? All these questions were associated with doing an interview show. And that's where one of my flagship programs came from was basically people asking me those questions. Another kind of part of that process, I call, I call this the pay attention principle because once you start paying attention for this, you're going to start uncovering clues all over the place as to what you should create a course on. The second step is you either, if you already have something great, if not, you can go create something, is a how-to post that you put up on your site, whether it's on your blog or your podcast or web show, whatever it might be. And this, is, again, goes back to that importance of having a platform, right? So putting up a how-to post on something, whatever it may be, how to swing a kettlebell, how to lose five pounds in a week, how to redecorate your home for less than $500, how to whatever it might be, coming up with a five steps or a 10 steps or a how-to type post and judging the temperature of that response and seeing everyone knows what their traffic is, what their subscribers are, what that information is, if something goes well or doesn't go so well. And using your own platform to test is very inexpensive because it's free. You just come up with stuff that you can test on there and come up with different topics that you teach people and you don't ask them. You don't say, hey, I'm going to create a course on this. You don't need to do any of that kind of stuff. It's all about how can you offer some value and test out to see what people respond to. And that's what I started with. I started doing one like how to record interviews on Skype, how to how to get A-list people to say yes to interviews. Those were like some of the posts that I did on my site 
And I saw that it really resonated with people. And that's when these clues started to come together and turn into a course. And this is what anyone can do that has a platform. Absolutely. And I'll certainly have to reiterate that. I think that's probably the vital step is not just assuming that you've got the market to buy the product, but actually getting it on and making, having the stats to back it up. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, another way to look at this too, is that think about a, a personal, just think about what you've done in your life that, that, that you could teach to other people. What have you done? Have you lost 20 pounds, have, whatever it may be? Because here's the thing, at the end of the day, one of the struggling points I see with people as they come up with something is that a course is all about results, right? It's all about getting someone a very tangible result. Meaning, I just I, I use weight as an example, but it doesn't have to be that. But it, it could be losing 10 pounds or losing weight. It could be gaining muscle. It could be getting out of debt. It could be whatever, whatever it is. It has to be something that's step-by-step step and concrete. It, it, people may say, oh, I want to do a course, and at the end of it, you'll feel good. What does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, you, you want to have something that's very concrete and step-by-step. Step. That's what sells online, for sure. Cool. All right. Where do we go from here? We've got a topic we think we actually know because we've tested it now. It's a, it, a, we popped it onto our platform. We've tested it. We know it resonates. What's the next step? Yeah. So this is one of my little simple secret sauce steps here is to do a survey. And there's some, I, I've tested this big time because you got to realize once I got into this world of course creating, I became like an obsessed, crazy person because I realized that there wasn't anyone. I just, I needed help and I wanted to figure it out. So I interviewed hundreds of people about this that all the research that I possibly could and then implemented and experimented and put in all these hours to figure out the stuff to break it down to these very simple things like the survey. So here's a survey that is works and it's so pain, painless that it's like shocking in a certain way. So what I would recommend doing is you create a survey that you post on your site, a link to the survey. I use Wufu. doesn't really matter what you use, W-U-F-O, but whatever. You can use Google Docs. doesn't matter what you use for a survey, something. But all you want to do is ask for people's name and their email, and you want to ask about their questions on that subject that you're thinking about for a course, okay? So that's it. Name, email, what are your questions involving blank? For example, for me, it was name, email, I want to know what questions do you have about creating your own interview show? And then an open box where they could ask as many questions as they want. And there's a few reasons you do this. Number one is, again, you're going to see now, do you get any responses? You're going to see some people now that are excited about this and are going to start to respond to it. You're going to see if you got some responses. And again, you don't need a million responses for this to be valid. It's just, can you get some responses? Also, you're now getting people's email when they do the survey. And oftentimes, these people become your very best customers. A lot of these early survey respondents for Create Awesome Interviews, my course, became some of our very best customers. Having those e that email address in there is vital. And also, you get to pick up a lot of things here through the survey, how people talk, the language that they use, the questions that they have. And what's funny about it with the survey is that you're going to sit there and you're going to go, oh my God this is way too basic. I didn't think people needed to know this. You'll be shocked about the questions that come in on your area of expertise and you'll realize how much you actually know um, because there's like that plight of the expert, if you will, that you know something and you assume everyone else knows it when no one knows it. Very few people know it. So you put that survey out and you spend basically you know, what you can to market and promote that survey meaning like not necessarily money, but I'm saying putting it on your blog, putting it on your site, putting it on social media, email blasting out to your current subscribers, 
everything that you can do to get eyes on that survey uh, are critical. And one more tip on that. Notice I didn't say anything about mentioning that you have a course, you're thinking about doing a course, you have a course coming out, nothing like that. All you're basically asking is for questions because you want to help people. And later on, you're going to turn that into a course. You'd be surprised about how much data you can actually get from this. And also, it really starts to become the outline for your course. Cool. Yep. It's just making so much sense. And I guess with a lot of things in business, once you break it down, it's quite simple. And I really love that. Okay. So we've created this survey. We've got all the respondents, all the responses. What do you do with that? At that point, it's decision time right? Like it's decision time. It's, am I going to go forward with this or not? It's if you're not feeling it, if you don't feel the temperature is hot enough, if you're not feeling it, go back to step one, right? It's go back to the beginning, down the chute and try it again. If you like where you're going with this and you're starting to feel like people are excited and you're excited about this and you got something going on, really then it becomes time to start to plan out the actual course. And what the mistake that I see here is people start to just run and gun. They just say, okay, I'm just going to just start creating modules or I figure out how to record it or whatever it might be. And there's still more to do on the foundation here. Foundation is so critical to a course. And so you really want to map out everything before you go forward. And one of the key things where people get hung up here, and this is the time to do this step, the next step is really to come up with a name for your course, right? And people get hung up on this name. It's unbelievable to me. The, the name does not matter of the course because the hook and the, and the positioning and all that kind of stuff, that's going to matter a lot more than the name. The name could be something very simple. You can go with something functional. You can go with something clever. It doesn't really matter. The most important thing when you choose your name here, which is the next step, is to have a name where you can get the URL uh, with the .com. I don't care what it is as long as it's something .com because that's the most important thing when it comes to a name. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Fantastic. So we've then got the name. I guess format would be potentially the next thing, is it? Actually, I don't even, I wouldn't even go to format yet. After you have the name of your course, it's really about uh, coming up with the hook. And this is the most important thing really of the entire course creating process because a lot of this other stuff can be very simple. But the hook or the X factor is what separates your course from the market, right? Because if you see that there's other courses out there on the market on a topic or similar topic, that's a good thing. That's a positive. A lot of people get scared away by that. They say, oh my God, there's someone else is doing what I want to do. That's a great thing because it shows that there's a market for it. And you want to have a market. You want to have buyers for something like that. So if there's other courses out there, that's great. Like I saw some other courses on my topics. That, that's a great thing. But when you have other courses, you're going to have to separate yourself from the market, right? So here's some of the key questions you could ask yourself as you develop your hook. What are my results with what I'm teaching? So meaning, did you use the methods to make six figures yourself? Did you use the methods to lose weight? Did you use the methods to find a girlfriend or boyfriend? Nothing beats personal experience here when you start to separate from the pack, right? So a key question to ask is, what are my results? Another key question to ask is, what else is out there in the market and in what areas do I feel like I'm doing things differently than them? This is what I call finding the gap, okay? And this is so important when you're coming up with your hook, right? Because what is the gap? So for example, I saw a product that was helping people create their own show online, 
but it was way too technical. Way, you'd be like the biggest tech nerd in the history of mankind to figure out this thing. And I was like, man, mine is not going to be designed for the tech nerd. It's going to be designed for non-tech nerds, people that don't want to spend a zillion hours on technology. And I saw another one that was just like a, it would focus on doing a web show, but not specifically an interview show. So I knew I could get more specific by doing an interview show. So by researching That's why there's so many successful fitness products out there. They all have slightly different hooks, just to give you an example. And that's where I think is very important is what else is on your market and how do I feel like I'm doing things differently from them? And the other thing to think about is that people love step-by-step and systems. You know, that is so so important. People love phrases like step-by-step or systems because remember systems sell here uh, and people love to feel like they're being held step by their hand as they go here to create their course. And I think that's uh, very important when it comes down to positioning your course. Would you say that the goal of any course or any paid training is to actually simplify it for your reader or your viewer in terms of there's so much information out there online, you can access everything. There is no doubt about that. But the issue is, I guess the excess of information can actually be quite confusing. Yeah, that's what you're doing because then such a good point. Thank you for pointing that out, Jake, because you see this happen all the time, like where people make that argument, oh my God, there's so much information out there on my subject or, oh, are people going to be willing to pay for what they could go on Google or YouTube and find for free? And, or something like that. And the answer is yes, because here's what people are paying for. Number one, they're paying for your perspective on this, right? Like you, that's one thing. Number two, they're basically paying you to be a curator of give me the very best stuff, the 80-20 rule, give me the 20 so that I can go implement this and I don't have to deal with all the fluff and the BS and the rest of the stuff. Because people think when creating an online course, this is like a misconception that they have to throw in everything in the kitchen sink. That was like internet marketing 1.0 back in the day is people would like create these courses. They were like 400 modules or something like that. And like a 3000 page supplement. No one wants that kind of stuff. And people start to think, oh, if I need to justify the price I'm charging for this, I need to include everything. It's actually the opposite. You want to include just what are going to get people to that point. Even if it's one sentence, your entire thing's, it's probably not more than that. If it's one sentence, but it could teach them something that can get them a result, people don't need everything. They just need the right things. And you're there as the curator and bringing this all together and packaging it up for them. So they're not searching through YouTube with 3,000 ads and Google and all these different confusing things. You're making it simple and step-by-step. Yeah, absolutely. I guess, and the outcome you really want is action. Right. And that's at the end of the day, what you're looking for. I mean, you're thinking about, you know, how can I simply guide them from step one to one to whatever, uh, to get them the result that they want. And, you know, because that's the end of the day, anyone could go out there and create a course, right? You could go out there, anyone could technically create a course, but the longevity of doing this is of course, getting people to actually results. And that all comes down to really execution with all this. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I know that's the reason for all this pre-planning. You could use the analogy of Olympic swimmer. They train for two, three years to prepare for a race where they'll be potentially in the water for 40 seconds. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Said, said. All right. um, What's the next step, David? Where do we go from here? I think the next step, the next step for sure at that point is really that you want to price your course before you do it. And, And this is critical because pricing can make a big difference to say the least. And here's my suggestion on pricing. And and this comes from a tip, actually, when I was working on one of my first courses, I I talked to two good friends of mine, one's Ryan Lee, 
and the other one's Marie Forleo, both great online entrepreneurs. And I said, I'm thinking about charging this. What do you think? And they said, you're way too low. And I said, what do you mean I'm way too low? That's not very low at all. And they said, think about this way. And, and Ryan said that it's going to be difficult to, or not diff, difficult or easy, depending on how you look at it. It's going to take effort to market and promote any course online, anything. And it's just as easy or difficult, depending on how you want to look at it, to promote a higher price course than it is a lower price course from a marketing perspective. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then Marie was saying that if you look at all the hours that you've spent learning this and curating it and all these different things, you, you can justify a higher value for your course. And so one of the biggest mistakes that I see people do is they price their courses way too low, way too low. Because here's a few reasons why that doesn't work. Number one is that the lower you go, the less quality customers you're going to get. It's just a fact of the matter. Number two is that it will require a lot of customers for it to be a successful course. So if you priced it at $67 or something like that, it's going to take a lot of customers to get to six figures. But if you placed it at $497, Okay, it only takes a few hundred customers to get to six figures. Actually, it takes exactly what 200 200 customers to get to six figures. And one of the mistakes I see is where people price it too low. So, my suggestion on pricing for folks is to go out and research and look at your market and where it's at and be at least equal to the top people in your market when it comes to creating an online product. So if you notice that the top people in your market are charging $297, that's at least where you need to be. If you see the top people are charging $1,500, that's at least where you need to be because there's far more power and longevity being a premium brand, being a Saks, if you will, as opposed to down in the Walmart, Kmart range. And that is one of the keys of why you see, and it's not, you're not, doing this to quote unquote rip people off or anything like that because you're offering a huge amount of value to them, but you want to be a premium brand in your market. And one of the mistakes I see again is pricing stuff way, way too low. My first course was $497. So just to give you guys a scope, it's not about coming out with some super cheap thing and then maybe more expensive later. Don't be afraid here to, because you're going to be putting some effort and work into this that to not charge what you think it's going to be worth. And let's look at two things with that. I guess for me, the important part is about perception with your customer. It's going to be much easier to get someone to buy into the course and actually take action if they've paid a lot more for something. Oh, that's so true. It's so true. It's yeah. If you pay 50 bucks for something, you're going to be like, or but it's all relative, but let's just say that's not a lot for you. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll just put it on the back burner. But if you pay, yeah, it's a good point. If you're paying a thousand bucks, you're going to be like, you know what? I'm going to get my darn money's worth of this. I'm going to go do it. And I think that's there's something to be said there. You get a lot, believe it or not, you get a lot less refunds or problems or issues with the higher prices, right? Because yeah. you're attracting more of a premium crowd that's actually going to do it. The lower price, I can't tell you how many people come to me and they I've talked to them privately or whatever, friends of mine at masterminds or events. They're just like, oh, God, the, the lower price people are driving me crazy. Not that they're bad people, but you know what? They're crazy people sometimes. So you got to be careful there. <laughs> I think just, and again, if you can have people take action, then they're potentially, or they're more likely to become raving fans and you're going to get much better testimonials and potentially lifelong customers. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you know, once you get, it's like the first one's the hardest. You know what I mean? Like once you're, 
once you get that going, then you're really off to the races. And I think even today on the on on this conversation, we covered so many foundational things. And again, that's really the key to getting this stuff going in terms of where you can think about now, because I don't want to give you guys too much and you're like, oh my God, I can't go do all this. I think there's plenty of information that you guys have now that people can go out and say, okay, I can go now and start paying attention to this and send an email out to my list and send out a survey and think about the positioning and think about the pricing and think about these things. I think a lot of folks are going to be off to a great start here for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's it. That's what I'd like to say as well is that if 90% of this interview has covered the planning of creating online courses, the rest of it, as you've said a number of times already, is simple. It's easy. Basically, your course has a structure that you follow that is basically interchangeable depending on what course you're doing. It's the planning and ensuring you've got the right content for your customers, which is the important part. Exactly. Exactly. All right, David, thanks very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I've got a lot out of it personally. I know our listener will as well. Where can we find out more information about you and also about your upcoming course that you'll be releasing? Yeah, really. The best place to go, honestly, for everyone, and and Jake, you might have a special link for folks too, but create awesome online courses you can send over. And I've got free training for everyone. So basically, if you've been listening to this and and you want to dive in a little bit deeper, I've got like super high quality. It's not like the BS free training that you see sometimes out there. This is like good stuff. And I've got a free multi-video series for you and an opportunity to join my program at the end if it's a fit for you as well. But either way, I hope you enjoy the free training over at createawesomeonlinecourses.com. Absolutely. And listener, if you've never listened to the Rise of the Top, make sure you do. David is one of the most entertaining interviewers out there. One of my favorites. Uh, well, I appreciate that. And of course, you can check that out at therisethetop.com. And I, I appreciate the kind words, Jake, for sure. It was fun today. All right, David, thanks very much for coming on the episode. I've loved it, and I know our listener certainly has as well. 